welcome to Blue Notes On Air. Join us as we chat with experts, analysts and commentators from the Asian region about business, culture and economics. And the role that startups can play when you actually get that partnership right is enabling a corporate to tap into the ideas that are being developed in a very much more agile environment. Today, ANZ's Karina Paracella chats with Danielle Owen-Wickford, Andres Coco, and Nicola Hazel, two entrepreneurs and the creator of She Starts, on how startups can work with big companies to the benefit of both. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Well, so Nicola, Andres, and Danielle, thank you so much for joining us on Blue Notes today. Now, all of you have had experience working across startups and corporates and within these landscapes. And when I think about these two parties coming together, I think about the possibilities for innovation and this opportunity to reimagine um, products and services in, in a new way. What are your thoughts on merging and working um, together, you know, particularly around the benefits for driving innovation in this tech-driven economy? Mm. Well, I think, Karina, you know, the economy is rapidly changing and the digital transformation that is occurring right around the world is having an impact on corporates in terms of the way they need to disrupt the way they've been doing things, try new ideas, put new practices in place and introduce new models of working. Uh, But large corporates often face those challenges of how do you shift a corporation? How do you shift the behaviours of thousands of people? How do you do that while not affecting the efficiency and the day-to-day processes that have been in place often for decades that have made an organisation thrive? And the role that startups can play when you actually get that partnership right is enabling a corporate to tap into the ideas that are being developed in a very much more agile environment where risks are more able, uh, more easily taken than they are in an organisation that necessarily has a, a lower risk appetite. But to partner with those people as they develop those ideas, to trial those ideas, to give that opportunity for those innovations to come to life in a way that allows them to then roll out as they grow and establish. The reality is that no matter how an innovative an organisation can be, creating spaces within a large organisation for people to get outside of their everyday thinking and to be trying new ideas can be challenging. No matter how um, how well you cultivate that culture, it still is so important to play with external parties. It's that whole idea of, you know, two minds are better than one, but also two minds that are coming at something from a different angle and looking at it from a different perspective are 10 times better than one. And that's where startups and corporates can really bring a different lens to a problem and by partnering the innovations that they can drive, the solutions they can create and the way they can do that more quickly uh, is really quite profound. Mm, Absolutely. And so Andres and Danielle, you've both leapt from corporate careers um, right into creating your own startups. Are you feeling this as well? Are these some of the benefits that you're seeing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If I um, look back at my own career at, at working at corporates in the Netherlands as well as Australia, uh, I had some great experiences. Um, one of the things that Photofone the Netherlands did was working with uh, startups um, by partnering with them and speeding up basically the process of getting to new propositions and launching those in the market with those startups. There was also a... Um, a project launch where uh, we got to be the entrepreneurs. So uh, this was a program where uh, people in the organization were chosen to uh, 
to look for innovative solutions and were able to form teams to uh, to develop those those propositions, pitch them to the board of directors and get some funding to get the ball rolling, just to see if that if that would work or not. So uh, those are two great examples of how a big corporate can play into uh, the field of working with and working as a startup. And um, if I leverage from the experience I had here in Australia, um, one of the, the innovation projects I did with Qantas was where Qantas was disrupting one of the other areas other than uh, aviation, uh, tapped into the financial market, which is now Qantas money. And um, that started as a small incubator within Qantas, but almost outside, operating as a startup with a consultancy firm um, to get things going. And that has now been incorporated back into the business. So, um, yeah, it's it's absolutely possible. Corporates see the possibilities. They see the economic growth as well. And it's now a matter of finding the right ways for them to utilize their own employees and working with other parties as well. Yeah, I'd agree with everything that Andres has said. I think the um, the interesting thing that I think about is corporates are basically people. So organisations are made up of people and organisations will have their goals and they'll have their objectives and they want to change now and they want to be competitive and they want to keep up with technology. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're talking about people. So startups are people as well. Um, and we do tend to come at things differently. So i I would love to say that my leap from corporate into startups was very deliberate and very planned, and but it wasn't. It just kind of came about because I had a problem that I was trying to solve. And what's been interesting for me is working with corporates because it's kind of like my background. So when I walk into an ANZ, for example, I feel like I'm at home because I'm used to the people, I'm used to the structures. Working with different people in different areas allows them actually to tap into what they're passionate about. So I'm doing a pilot with part of the technology team and not only are we piloting part of the product, but they're saying to me, have you considered doing this from technology? Have you considered AI? Have you considered that? Talking to university about how we can make this happen. So it allows them to explore what motivates them and what they're passionate about as well as how they can contribute to A and Z. And if I think about all of my years in running large-scale transformation, if you can tap into people's motivation, if you can give them a reason for coming to work other than just meeting their KPIs and doing what their boss says every day, mm-hmm. you'll get the best out of people. And I actually think that's the benefit of startups and corporates working together. Mm. I love this concept and it came through um, It came through what you just said, Danielle, but also you specifically talked about the term entrepreneur. And um, there's this argument, you know, can, can you actually be entrepreneurial within a large corporate and we hear the argument all the time about how big corporates can be fat and lazy um, you know and I personally believe in the power of, of entrepreneur and tapping into some of those change communities um, so I suppose one of the learnings is almost unlocking this entrepreneurial spirit by corporate seeing how resourceful and savvy you need to be at a startup when you're running your business um, bringing that to life within a corporate is really challenging but I think it's doable um, you know, you've, you've certainly seen, um, you know, elements of that as, as, you know, Danielle, you've been working with some of the corporates and bringing the two worlds together. Mm. I think it's doable. I think um, people are under a hell of a lot of pressure, though, in corporates because corporates, as we know, they're trying to achieve more with less. So people have very defined roles, usually very defined KPIs, and some people then feel very trapped. So that's one of the reasons I left corporate because I was just feeling more and more constricted, like I was wearing a, a straitjacket, you know, in a mental asylum some days. Um, so that's one of the reasons I got out. So I think if you can free that up for people and help people actually have the space and give them permission, so as much as their managers, and that's what I'm seeing in ANZ, the leaders are saying, actually, go and do this. 
you know, give it a go and it's okay and we'll create space for you to make that happen, I think you get a very different conversation. But a lot of corporates I work with, yeah, people are quite restricted and they're very much do your job, deliver your KPIs um, whilst they're trying to achieve more outside. So I think that the internal processes really need to line up with what the organisation's trying to achieve. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like in a lot of the cases uh, people don't really get rewarded for it. So mm. it needs to come from their own intrinsic motivation and internal rewarding, which is really hard if they still have their personal targets that they need to um, yeah, need to work towards. Uh, so I absolutely agree with you, Danielle, that it is about the process that uh, allows them to do this. And especially uh, what happens is the people that are really driven uh, by that industry and motiv motivated to, to, to create a difference, that they will rise to the top, absolutely. And understanding as well, I think, that the, the joys and the beauty of entrepreneurship and the things that make startups so incredibly able to create in insane solutions that we haven't even thought of is that they tend to go through 10 other uh, loops before they get to the good result and so being entrepreneurial in a corporate environment isn't just about saying one day a week we're going to create some time where you can work on this great project but then we only reward it when it works you also entrepreneurial mindset is about iterating it is about taking risks and them not always working out and actually celebrating and learning from those you know the the, the celebrate failure is the the buzzword of the last couple of years to talk about. But it is actually really important to think if you want to create an entrepreneurial mindset within an organization, you need to create an environment where it's not only okay to try something that doesn't work, but where you're actually looking for those opportunities to learn from something not working and recognizing the most likely situation is going to be that this doesn't work versus we're going to make sure everything's in place so that it does. Mm. That's where we need to understand and unpack what it means to have an entrepreneurial mindset, but also what's the outcome we're trying to get from this. So if as an organization, the outcome you're trying to achieve is a certain set of results or a certain type of culture or a certain vision that you're setting for the kind of organization you want to be, then that's got to drive the way you empower and work with your people. It is, it is a big risk if corporates say, we just want everybody to have an entrepreneurial mindset because they think that that's what they're supposed to have. Mm. There are some environments where it's not a good idea <laughs> to have lots of really creative and experimental risk-taking people. Sometimes you need someone who is going to stick to process, who's going to play it safe, who is going to ensure that you get to the end result. You know, you don't really want to have an entrepreneurial um, mindset when you've got a really important life or death, situa death situation and, and you've really got to stick to the process and know your research and you don't want to just try something new for fun when you're doing some brain surgery but I do think that we need to understand therefore what we mean and not just get excited about the buzz of entrepreneurship yeah, but to really unpack what it means and how it can unlock huge potential for our companies and then if we think about this on a broader lens in terms of Australia's entire workforce and future workforces and the next generation that we're educating for the future of work what we need to be thinking about is we don't need a country full of entrepreneurs we need a country though that is cultivating entrepreneurial mindset that enables this and future generations to trans uh, to really transfer themselves through a very changing future mm. because somebody who is thinking that they're studying for a job at ANZ today 
could end up working in so many different places within this company, but also within many different companies in their lifetime. You know, the average young person is going to have 17 jobs across five different industries in their life. This is the new future that we're looking at. And sometimes that will be self-employment. Sometimes that will be in, in, in a formal environment, work environment. So having the ability to transfer your skills across multiple environments and different, in, uh, different challenges that you might come up against is going to be really important. And that's where the entrepreneurial mindset can really come mm. into play. And such an important topic because I know you've certainly spent a lot of time, you know, especially just in the last couple of weeks at the OECD, talking about this in Paris. But why, um, Nicola, digital transformation is so much more than just adopting digital technologies. We talk a lot about even, you know, working with startups about, you know, apps and commercialization and speed to market, but it's so much more than just those digital technologies. Tell us about Absolutely. This is certainly something that we discussed at length uh, at the OECD recently when their annual forum, the conversation is centred around what does inclusive growth look like in a rapidly changing global economy where technology is really a key player and driver of those global economies. What does it look like to enable companies, communities and countries let alone individuals, to thrive in that environment. And digital transformation is often thought about, well, is our company adopting the latest technology? Have we put in place this Slack tool? Have we ensured that we're equipped with great Wi-Fi? Or is it about you know, making sure we've got the latest tech in place for our business. But actually, digital transformation is about rethinking the way we operate because technologies are going to play a role in doing um, an increasing number of human tasks and humans are going to to need to interact with that technology in a whole other way. So they're going to approach problems in new ways. And it also is about understanding the place-based context of those situations. So different companies, let alone different communities and societies, are facing different challenges and different levels of obstacles in really adopting and adapting to this this era of digital transformation. And it's therefore not a one-size-fits-all. So um, even in the work that we do at Blue Chile, when we're partnering with organizations like ANZ, uh, none of our partners have a cookie-cutter approach uh, to working with us, nor do we have a cookie-cutter approach to working with them. We're trying to understand with any partner what are the ways that they want to interact with startups and how are they geared to do so now, Mm. but also what steps we can take together to improve the opportunities for them to do that into the future. Mm. Um, And that means really understanding the context of that company, the regulatory regulatory structures that they work within, which obviously, for example, in the financial services industry are different regulatory structures than you might find in another industry. But also what are the what are the gaps that they're trying to fill? Um, and what is the the big vision for where this could take you to? Mm. While what are the ways we can get there in the meantime? Well and so critical because um, you know understanding some of those conditions and that environment that you're working in will alleviate a lot of that frustration. So when we talk about startups trying to do business or partner with corporates. There is a lot of frustration there around big corporate red tape bureaucracy. I'm sure you're both feeling this now um, as both Andres and Danielle are starting to think about partnerships and think about, you know, um, moving your businesses and, and, and getting scale. So 
let's just talk about some of those learnings because that's really important. The internal processes. Personally, I feel that um, often in a corporate, when you get a startup coming to speak with you, it's they're not necessarily clear about what it is that they want. So really understanding what it is that they want from you, whether it's market share, whether they want to be bought or collaborate on a pilot is super helpful. Um, Andres, for you, you know, what do you think is that early stage kind of gate into a corporate? How do we break down those barriers? Um, yeah, it, it it's different, obviously, for each uh, startup and also the state of uh, the corporate, but also who you're speaking to. I mean, uh, if you speak to a middle manager, for example, that person can be really focused on those specific targets in the team or what they have on their roadmap and feeling the pressures of not hitting those uh, targets and meeting those expectations from who they're uh, reporting to. Um, and on a broader scale, looking at it from a system perspective, it can be around uh, what is the system allowing us to date? What will it cost us to make these improvements before we are able to connect your fancy and future-proof technology with our um, current systems that are dated from 1980s? So those are quite hard uh, barriers to overcome. And um, it's usually up to the startup to think creatively creatively come up with different scenarios in order for a corporate to see okay oh we might be able to work around it or okay we see that you make it comfortable enough for us to partner with you so that might be a partnership but if it's a cookie cutter solution that they can adapt straight away yeah that might be a takeover uh, leading to an exit so it there are so many different scenarios um, and, and sometimes it's also a matter of, as a startup, going back to that same corporate, but just by talking to different people within uh, within different teams, uh, just to get different perspectives of, you might talk with the technology team. Obviously, those are all the little shackles around IT, technology, system-driven. So that might give you a very specific understanding of that landscape. Then you speak with marketing that drives the propositions and know how uh, they want to engage the customer. So that gives you a better understanding of how your proposition might be sticky to their um, segments they're targeting. You can talk to strategy. They have a better understanding of the macro trends and where the companies is headed. Um, you speak to service. They have a good understanding of a bottom-up approach of what a customer is bugging at the moment and what they need to solve in order for the customer to um um, maintain their retention uh, targets, for example. So so you also, as a startup, need to do a hell of a lot of work with that same company to understand all those different perspectives in order for you to know what type of different scenarios you might be able to offer. So it's easy enough for them to see, hey, we might be able to work with you, or hey, at a future stage, we see us definitely buying your company, for example. But yeah, it, it, it takes a lot mm. of effort yeah yeah and sometimes those answers aren't clear so yeah. sometimes when we come to talk to you guys particularly because we're early stage startups and we're piloting concepts and we're testing concepts the questions around what do you want from us do you want us to buy you do you want to partner whatever we actually don't necessarily have firm answers on those just yet we have an idea we think this is what we want um, and that's I guess the difference between the corporates and the startups corporates usually have very firm ideas in their mind this is what we want this is how we're going to do it this is the process we're going to put into place whereas we're 
I won't go as far as saying making it up as we go along, but the agile way means we try something, it works great, it doesn't, then we change it. So that's something that's been interesting for my experience. The other difference is the risk appetite is very different in big corporates versus startups, and it has to be because it's a big organisation, a big brand, ANZ. There's a lot, lot at risk. You know, we talked about regulation before. So there are risk profiles in place at ANZ for good reason that are different to our risk profiles. So we are taking more of a risk. We do want to move faster. We're willing to try things in a different way. So bringing those two together is actually quite interesting. Um, and again, my experience is you need to come together with people that are willing to take a little bit more of a risk within a defined boundary um, to actually help facilitate that and move that faster. And then when you get some wins on the board, then that can be held up as an example to go, actually, it worked. And it might not have worked, but we took some learnings out of it. So they're the kind of two things that I've noticed in working with corporates. One of the things that I see when any of our startups are working in major partnerships with large corporates is understanding as a startup, you've got a limited runway, right? Financially, um, personally, <laughs> emotionally, physically. And, and as your ideas are iterating and growing, it's why startups need to move so fast and accelerate that process through accelerators like the She Starts program to make sure that you're getting the most out of the runway you have. So when you're trying to partner with a corporate though that, you know, might have six meetings over six months to set up a decision to start a project, mm -hmm. um, it, it really means how do you find a, a way of compromising between those two different behaviour sets to be able to ensure that a startup doesn't therefore go into a partnership and it takes so long that the, the, their company dies before it has the chance to thrive. And, and in doing that, though, it's about understanding why both sides are, are coming at that re rationale behind it. Um, but also I think it's around setting reasonable expectations um, about what's possible and what's not. And from a startup's perspective, uh, we always say to our entrepreneurs, you've got to make sure you don't put all your eggs in one basket. Mm -hmm. You might meet one company, one large company, and you know that if you won this deal, if this pilot goes well and they say yes, that this is going to be a huge revenue win going to be a great, a great credibility for your business and enable you to grow and expand. But if to get to that win is going to take you longer than you have a runway for, or if you're getting there and then they say no and you've got no backup plan, then you've actually put your, your own startup at jeopardy. So you've got to be able to think, well, how do I put invest my time into a relationship and a pilot and a partnership that's going to add value while keeping my other fires still burning? Mm. And that's the juggle of entrepreneurship yeah. and yeah. startups. And I think this is where it's interesting because you almost look at the power different differential between corporates and startups. So powers, big resources, money, you know, they've got the buying power and you want to talk to the decision maker because even just getting things through procurement can take you a year once you get through risk and legal for, again very good reasons but it could be a lot shorter um that's just my view but anyway um so the power sits really with the corporate but then from a startup point of view you go well hang on a second let me have a think very carefully and strategically about who I want to partner with and why. So some advice I got very, very early on in this startup journey was actually go into the corporate and ask them, what do they, how do they work with startups? Why do they want to work with startups? How do they work with startups? What's their history in working with startups? And what are they going to offer you? Because actually, ultimately, this is your decision as much as it's their decision. And that was a really interesting insight for me because coming from a corporate background and knowing the resources and everything that sits within corporate, I'm like, okay, well, the power sits on that side of the fence. And all of a sudden, and I went, oh, hang on a second, this is my decision as much as it's their decision. So I'm going to interview them and I'm going to see what they're going to offer me as much as what I can offer them. And I think that's 
something useful for corporates to to think about as well because all of the corporates now are setting up venturing teams and startup teams and innovation team because they want to tap into a part of the community really an economy that's growing very rapidly and can benefit their business but it's it doesn't mean that every startup is going to want to come and work with you guys so the question I'd have for ANZ is what are you offering these people that attracts them to you before they go to a CBA or a NAB or even someone else like an AMP or you know something that's slightly adjacent so that's something definitely to to mm. consider as well. Mm. Absolutely so some great insights there and it's all about it's two-way, right? Mm-hmm. It's about, Absolutely. you know, both parties really understanding their value and what they're trying to get out of it. And, and a partnership, the definition of that is about mutual benefits. So, sorry, Andres, you were going to say something. Yeah, no, just to add to Danielle's point, the market is becoming more and more competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much choice in terms of accelerator programs, um, incubators through corporates independently, uh, running their own thing as well. Um, so, so yeah, the, the ball is really in start up their corners as well because they can also access money through other pockets rather than big corporates there are so many grants out there or other competitions um so so yeah it it is reversing in a way like danielle was describing for us to know okay this is what i stand for this is my vision and it's almost like as a startup you're now mapping out okay what are the brands what are the companies based on their values based on where they are now and where they're heading towards i want a corporate with and that is that is definitely a shift that i think also the corporates are slowly starting to realize uh but yeah one big i don't want to say issue but a big obstacle for them is the legacy they have with certain systems, way of working, processes, and sometimes also people that are at certain positions and are just used to doing things a certain way. Um, don't want to work in an agile way. Love their waterfall or product-based way of working, right? So so those maybe seem like smaller things, but in the end, they are not, especially when they're at positions to make those mm. initial introductions mm. with very ambitious startups who are willing to work with work those big mm. companies. I actually think the people and the mindset is the biggest issue, actually, yeah. because people can – anything else can be fixed. You can change technology, you can build yeah. technology, you can restructure companies. Like you actually can do anything, but it's the person that does that. So I think mindset is the biggest challenge. There's a funny thing too about the language and the notion around startups and corporates. It's a them and us concept mm-hmm. where corporates work with other businesses mm-hmm. every day. They have suppliers. They have partners. Yeah, they they have startups at one point. Yeah. <laughs> it all started somewhere. Um, a startup is just another business. Exactly. Um, and you're talking from one business owner to another. And in fact, you're lucky enough in the startup that you might actually be meeting with the CEO, mm. even if they're not sitting down across from the CEO of the large corporate. But understanding and having a mutual respect for that is really important. Um, sometimes some entrepreneurs that we work with will say to us, when I'm taking a meeting with someone, I need to be very clear when I walk into that meeting that they don't just think of me as the startup person coming in, but they think of me as the owner of a business that is creating a solution that they want to get their hands on and work with. You know, we really need to make sure in Australia that the uh, the appetite among corporates that's growing for wanting to play with startups, which is fantastic to harness, but that that appetite doesn't turn into a conversation that looks like playing with startups is charity Mm -hmm. or, you know, this is something we do to make our staff feel good. Mm. 
there is an intrinsic value of working with some of the most innovative minds in the country who are starting businesses that are driving solutions that no one else has thought of before mm-hmm. and and making sure at the same time that startups also recognize there is an intrinsic value in working in organizations that have invested in great people, in great infrastructure, in great processes and have great vision. So that once we see those two playing fields even out a little bit, there's a real opportunity to unlock mm. great innovation and develop the kind of partnership that are going to transform companies but also are going to realize the visions of these businesses, businesses like Danielle's and Andres's that are actually solving big global problems. Mm. Well, think, speaking of solving big global problems, it's been wonderful having your insights today and we're exceptionally you know, passionate about the incredible work that you're each doing, Nicola, and the work that you do with She Starts um, and, and really turbocharging female leadership in the startup economy. Andres in launching into a completely new industry, which is solar, and Danielle, the work that you're doing in tackling workplace stress. It's absolutely incredible and we look forward to following your journeys. All the very best for success and thanks for joining us on Blue Notes. Thanks, Karina. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes On Air. Blue Notes On Air was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod.